guys, welcome to Touch by Prayer. Oh my gosh, it's going to be such a good show. We're going to do a little rock and roll, little bit of testimony, and a whole lot of Jesus. That's right. You know how there's that song and it says a whole lot of shaking going on. Let me tell you, we're going to shake those religious rafters. We're going to shake up some of your beliefs and we're going to shake up just what you think and who you think that God can use because my guest, my guest was in the midst of the rock and roll. He was into the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. He had the women. He had it all. And he started to go on tour with uh, with different bands. And, and God, God found him and arrested him and just took him and said, you belong to me. Come on. Like when we think about that, you know, I always think about in the, in the chosen series where Jesus says, you are mine. You belong to me. There is something that is so powerful in that because as we start to understand that God has called us, he has called He's called my guest, but he's also called you. And we're going to talk about how sometimes God can use the craziest of circumstances to do some of his greatest work. So my guest is author Christopher Long. Let me just tell you, he has a list of credentials. Like seriously, <laughs> when you start to look at all the incredible things that Christopher has done, I just want to make sure that I get this right. Okay. He's a celebrated author, entertainment writer, TV radio, radio contributor, award-winning musician, international missionary. Come on. And he wrote this book and the book is his first fiction book and it is called Superstar. That's right. Superstar. And he talks about the truth of what it takes to sometimes be in the scene, right? To, to become famous. What does it take? It means you got to sell yourself. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Christopher. And so without further ado, we're going to bring him up. So Christopher, thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. We've been trying to do this for a while and here we finally are. Holy cow. What an intro. <laughs> I'm honored. Oh, well, good. I'm glad you're honored because I do, while you're up here, I do want to bring up because, you know, I'm all about the fun. And so I want to bring up uh, just a little clip. Let's just bring this puppy up and we're going to actually uh, show a little bit of you doing a little rock and roll. So hold on, we're going to do this. <laughs> Let's just see if this is going to work because, you know, sometimes, sometimes these things work and sometimes they just don't. So there we go. So we're going to see. There you go. So we're going to just come on. Look at you go. Come on. So now this is. We your, were young. You were young. This was your uh, first band, right? This is my band, Dead Serious. All right. Come on. This is a, a TV show we were on back in 1991. Okay. I was young and I was cut. I still had hair. <laughs> Now, you play the drums, correct? Uh, in this band, I did vocals. That's you me on lead vocals. Right. I played drums in, in other bands, but in Dead Serious, I was the front man. Come on. There you go. Look we at shook that. it up. You did. You totally shook it up. <laughs> all right. Let, all right. Let's, let's get into some stuff, okay? All, all right. right. So, first of all, you are from... 
Well, you actually were in Satellite, uh, Satellite Beach, right? That's where you went to high school. And For many years. Yeah, Satellite yeah. High School, class of 81, sting Come on. and sport. Come on. And I was a Palm Bay Pirate, just saying. Well, okay. <laughs> so I went to high school in Florida. So um, sure, was, I knew that. I, yeah, I know you know that because you know you actually. Um, I actually uh, got connected with you through my sister. My sister comes and and she um, because you actually uh, DJ at a lot of different places. And she said, "Lise, you got to meet this guy, Christopher. You need to have him on your show." And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> okay." And so you and I decided to have a conversation, and uh, and one thing led to the next, and. Uh, that was. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of your sisters. I run into her every now and then around town at uh, uh -huh. at DJ gigs, and uh, I'm very grateful for the connection. Yes, well, and she just she just thinks you are awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. Sharing is caring. So, and not, there are definitely some people. I hope that uh, there are some people who are also uh, tuning in. You can also go to uh, YouTube. So we'll have to see if there's any, uh, we got some YouTube people, but there's some people who are saying hello to you. And so we we're so grateful that you can come on and, um, and to share your story. So let's, let's get into you first before we get into superstar, because I think that there, there is a lot more to Christopher. Um, and I want to hear your story of your come to Jesus moment, because everybody has that, that beautiful come to Jesus moment. So I want to talk about, um, where you were and how you, how you found him or actually, no, I'm going to say it better. I'm going to say how he found you. Where did he find you? I was arrested. You said I was arrested by Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's, mm -hmm. that's good. You know, the, 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 the crazy thing. Lisa, and I think this may be true for a lot of people. I was raised in church. Okay. You know, I was a naive church boy. Uh, I was saved when I was eight years old, you know. Uh, however, as I got older, uh, I felt, you know, you become a teenager and start getting involved in teenage things. And, you know, for me, I was drawn into rock and roll and girls and, you know, stuff, cool stuff like that. And as I got older and, and was uh, coming into my own, so to speak, I felt pushed away by the religion of church. And, you know, who wants to be condemned, you know, especially when going to church, when you feel like you're being condemned or judged or pushed away by uh, religion. And uh, we may talk later about the great difference between religion and relationship. Uh, when I became old enough to make my own choices, I thought, you know, the, the heck with this. I'm going to go party with my friends and play rock and roll and hang out with chicks and all that sort of stuff. And that's when I began to drift away. And then later in life, much later in life, after uh goodness i was i was into my 40s doing things my own way and darn happy to be doing things my own way and i had actually signed my first book deal i'd spent time playing in bands uh touring with the major rock bands uh as a personal assistant you know my dreams came true and i was on the tour bus 
working for my rock star heroes and uh, scoring drugs and girls and lattes and whatever uh, for, for my rock star heroes. I was that guy. I was the personal assistant. I was right in the thick of things. And uh, after that chapter, I got into uh, music journalism and began uh, writing articles, feature stories, reviews for different magazines. And then that led to my first book deal. And my first book that came out about 10 years ago that was based on my experiences uh, working for a particular rock band on tour. And at the time that that book came out, uh, what should have been my proudest personal moment you know, the, the day the UPS guy knocked on my door with that box full of promotional copies of my first book from the publisher, uh, I should have just been, you know, so proud of myself. And I opened that box up and I pulled out the promo copies of the book and I started thumbing through it. And it was as if I had different goggles on all of a sudden. And I just threw the book down on, on the kitchen table and felt sick. And it was as if, you know, I could hear a voice saying, congratulations, you got your big break. You got a global stage. And this was the message that you chose to share. And at that time also, um, there were, there was a lot of darkness in my life. Um, I had been sober for years, but there were still a lot of drugs in my life. Uh, crazy darkness, sort of uh, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall kind of darkness going on. And at that moment, um, it was as if, I could see Jesus sitting at my kitchen table uh, across from me, looking at me, saying, okay, want to try it my way? Are you ready to try it my way? Because we've been doing it your way for the last 40 years. How's that been working for you? How's that going now? And uh, it was uh, not going well, you know, and, and that led me to a point you know, actually sitting in my kitchen with a knife to my wrist, you know, it was a lot of darkness. It was a time that, you know, I, everything seemed to be going great uh, professionally and in the public view, but personally it was very, very dark. And I was in a very bad place sitting there with, with, with the knife to my wrist and then the phone ringing and it's my cousin on the line a gal who i had known her whole life and at this point we were both in our 40s and but she i never really spent much time with her because she was a weirdo christian she was one of those weird christians we would sort of make fun of behind her back at thanksgiving dinner you know and out of the clear blue she calls me up and she is uh and i say she is a weird christian 
in the most wonderful context. And she calls me out of the clear blue and she says, how are you doing? And I said, I'm not doing well. And she said, yeah, I know. She said, God told me to call you. Come on. Three times. And I kept telling God, no. And the third time I picked up the phone to call you. And that was the beginning of a life-changing connection. And she spent a lot of time with me over the next couple of weeks and talking me off the ledge and bringing me out of that darkness and walking me into the light. And in order to do that, in order to make that walk, you need to have your feet planted firmly in the word. And at that time, I didn't know about different Bible translations. I didn't know about non-denominational churches. You know, I was just, I was saved, but I was lost. You know, if that makes any sense. I was saved, but it was merely a fire insurance policy. There was no relationship there. And she really broke things down for me. And the only Bible I had access to was the King James Version, which is a beautiful version, King James. But for a drooling Ted Nugent nut like me, I was getting a little hung up on the here to's and therefores and that sort of thing. And she got me what's called an NLT, which is New Living Translation. And she came to my very first book signing in Orlando, Florida in 2010. And she came through my meet and greet line with this little bag with little polka dots and colorful tissue paper sticking out of it. And uh, inside that bag was a brand new uh, copy of an NLT. And I still have it right here. 10 years later, it's, it's beaten. I it's think, filled that means Starbucks. that it's been used. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Starbucks cake crumbs, all <laughs> sorts of scribbling and notations and so on. But that NLT that my angel gave me 10 years ago is the same Bible that I use every morning today. And the point to that is that NLT, that translation, was so simple, it broke it broke the language down in a way that a rock and roll guy like me could understand. And as soon as I got a hold of that translation that spoke to me, it was like I had been trying to run with cinder blocks around my ankles. And then I got a hold of that translation and it, I was just like Jesse Owens, you know, I was, I was off and, and, and running. So I think sometimes when folks maybe uh, are not feeling completely fulfilled, I'll say, in the church that they're at or maybe in uh, their personal Bible study, the problem is not with church. The problem is not with the word. And I'm not even saying that it's so much a problem, but the issue could very easily be eliminated 
maybe just by finding a church where you do fit in a little more comfortably and finding a translation that does speak to you a little bit. Absolutely. And, and one of my favorite translations is the Passion Translation, but he hasn't done the entire Bible yet. He is, he just did Isaiah. And I think, well, he did, yeah, he, and he is doing, um, Gen uh, he did Genesis too. So he's starting to and work he on the is Brian, Dr. Brian Simmons. Excellent. Dr. Brian Simmons, the Passion Translation. And if the, the beauty part about the tra uh, Passion Translation is that it's written from a place of uh, relationship. So it's mm -hmm. almost that you can you can kind of enter in through a relationship that this person has had with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit so that you can kind of like um it it, it let's let's put it this way you kind of get vetted <laughs> through the author <laughs> you know what i mean like there's that 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 awkwardness when you meet somebody for the first time but yet if you are introduced to somebody through a good friend and they've already talked to you about them then there's an ease and there's a comfort that that can kind of happen in in the it's uh always always about relationship always 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 about relationship always always about relationship okay so your beautiful angel cousin okay so she has watched and she has watched you blossom and so here you were with with a knife <laughs> you're gonna end it all right oh yeah and it was it was dark right and so you're in this dark place and god says mm, no <laughs> uh no let me send that's let when me, i got arrested right and let me let me send my daughter let me send my daughter to him who is going to help him and is going to help him to navigate and from that point here you are you you your whole life starts to turn around and you you actually had this passport because you and I were kind of talking last night and you had this passport that you thought that you were going to rock and roll your way all across the world with this passport. But, but Christopher, what did you do with that passport? You know, Jesus is so weird. You know, he's, got, <laughs> he's, he's got such crazy, amazing stuff in store for us. If we'll just get out of the way and, and let him do that. Uh, years ago, I knew what my future was going to be. I was going to be a rock and roll guy. That's what I'd been working for my whole life. You know, come on. come on. I know what I'm doing. I'm a smart guy. So when I first started actually touring with bands, and that happened late in life. You know, I had been slogging away for years and years, and I was probably in my early 40s when I finally got the call and had the opportunities to go out and, and tour uh, with these major platinum selling rock stars. And in order to do that, you need a passport to be able to go where the rock stars go. So in order to travel with famous bands and to be able to score chicks and drugs and whatever stupid stuff I had to do in order to do that I needed a, a passport and you know a passport is good for several years and so I used that for a couple of years working with bands and then it just sort of sat 
tucked away in a drawer for a while. And then once, and when you step out a little bit for Jesus, you better be careful because he's going to clear a bigger path. Come on. And, and give more opportunities. And the more that I was seeking, the more I was finding. And the the, the next thing I knew, I, I was into daily Bible study. Uh, I became plugged in with uh, an amazing church in, in Merritt Island, Florida. And uh, a, a, an active church life is so important. And that led to opportunities in serving at church. So here I am, this guy who thought I was going to be, you know, uh, this rock star or at least uh, successful in the glitzy rock and roll world. Here I am now in my 40s scrubbing toilets at church, you know, vacuuming floors, taking out the trash, serving as a, a youth leader. In, in teen ministry, then, <coughs> excuse me, it gets even crazier. The next thing I know, I'm using that passport that I got years ago to do stupid stuff working for rock bands. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm digging that passport out of the drawer and now using it the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel of Jesus, bringing food, clothing, medicine, uh, toys, uh, all sorts, meeting all sorts of needs of people who live in the jungles of third world nations. Now, that's pretty crazy. And uh, I just thought that was uh that's just the way Jesus works. You know, who would have thought, I certainly wouldn't have thought 10 years ago that I would be chopping my way through the jungles of Nicaragua with a machete, you know, to bring Bibles and medicine to 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 to, to, to people in, in foreign countries. That was crazy, you know. I think that's one thing people they get scared of, you know, when they they uh become saved and they really start to uh to serve it's like well jesus do whatever you want with me but please don't send me to the jungles and have to be a missionary uh but uh doggone it that's great stuff uh amazing stories the the best experiences of my life have been with people in the jungle you know i spent my 50th birthday sitting cross-legged in the middle of a dirt road in Nicaragua doing a Bible study with a bunch of 70-year-old guys from Nicaragua. We didn't even speak the same language. I had an interpreter to, to, to help me through the, through the message. And that's pretty crazy, and that's pretty darn cool. And especially to, if you know where I came from, uh, and, and especially for what I thought my path was going to be and the experiences that I've had traveling the world for Jesus are far cooler 
much more exciting, more memorable, more wonderful, more awesome than anything I ever did with some rock and roll band. And well, let's, you know, let, I mean, let's just put it this way. The rock and roll band was no slouching rock and roll band. We'll just put that there. Like, like, you know, it wasn't like you were, you were hanging out with like Huey Lewis in the news. No offense to Huey Lewis, but no, I'm that just That would saying. be a bad deal either. Sometimes I think I might've been better off with Huey Lewis. You might've been no, better. But when I went out and, and, and toured, it, it was not with mid-level bands, no. you know? And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, it's, uh, 10, 15, 20,000 seaters, yeah. you know, and it was luxury tour buses and five-star hotels. And it was- Now, are you allowed the, to say the bands that, that you toured with? Uh, well, the, the the main one that people would know would be Poison. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote my first book, was about my experiences with the band Poison. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful to those guys because although the experiences often were less than sweet, I'll say, I'm so grateful that they did not play out the way that I had expected. I'm so grateful now that the realization of that dream did not live up to the expectation. Otherwise, I'd probably be now a 50-something year old guy pursuing that sort of stuff, which is even sadder than when I was a 40 something pursuing that sort of stuff. It was, it was eye opening. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I know what that world is like because of the opportunities that they gave me. I've experienced all of that firsthand because of the experiences that Poison afforded me. And uh, I'm super grateful to them for that. And I think that the light of Jesus beams brightest when it's bouncing off the darkest possible backdrop. And I would not be in the ministry world that I am now had I not been bouncing off that dark backdrop from the rock and roll world. And I certainly would not, likely would not appreciate it for as beautiful and wonderful as it is had I not gone through some some darkness, uh, you know, on, on the road with with uh, with rock bands. And that is such a beautiful segue into your book. Your book is called Superstar. So now what's so cool about this book is that Superstar is really a, your first fictional book. So I really, you have such a great story about how that came to be because your first two books were more like tell all kind of books, right? But, well, but yeah. this book was more of a, this was a different, this is a different book for you. It's it, the, 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 the book of Proverbs tells us about the value in surrounding ourselves with qualified advisors and then having the wisdom to follow their counsel. The people who God puts in our lives is so often so powerful and so amazing. The 
first, my, like I said, my first book was this uh, sort of very uh, unfiltered tell-all about my experiences with poison. Um, I was a pig when I was out on tour with them, and I was a pig when I was writing it. And as a result, that's how the narrative came across. However, when I got into my second and third uh, Christian living nonfiction titles, the narrative changed drastically as if it was written by a different guy, uh, which, which they were. And uh, I was in Bible college. And here's what I mean about uh, qualified advisors and the people God puts in our lives. I was in Bible college and uh, I have a degree in Bible study, which is really crazy. You want to talk about weird, <laughs> weirdo Jesus stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I barely made it out of satellite high school with an <laughs> honorary diploma. You know, they just handed me something, you know, written on a Cracker Jack box wrapper and kicked me in the butt and said, just go, 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 go. So years later, years later in my late forties, I'm not only back in college, I'm in Bible college, which is pretty, and, and I wanna be clear about something. When I'm talking about these things, I'm not boasting about oh, no, what not. I did or whatever, because you know, I am, I don't wanna speak darkness here. Let's just say, um, None of this is of my own making. You know, I can often barely dress myself in the morning, which sometimes is obvious. Um, so uh, I I can get no credit for, for any of these wonderful things going on uh, other than just having the wisdom to, like I said, just sh to shut up and get out of the way and, and let Jesus do what he needs to do. So here I am in Bible college, now, at this time, I'm probably early 50s, and there was a gal who sat at the little lab table next to me in class, and she's a soccer mom, and I know her very well. I'd been on a missionary trip with her and her husband. Her daughters were in my uh, youth group at church, so there was relationship there, and she came in the one night. And she said to me, uh, I read your latest book, which would have been probably my second or third book at the time. And I'm still doing nonfiction Christian living. And uh, I said, oh, great. And she said, I really enjoyed it. And I said, oh, super. Thank you very much. She said, but you're missing your audience. Now, because I knew her, because of that relationship, I didn't take that as a, a, a critical statement. I wanted to hear where she was going with that. She said, you're missing your audience. I said, okay. She said, your audience is not going to be in nonfiction. Your audience is going to be in Christian fiction. I said, really? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, I can't, I shouldn't, I never, I don't know how, I don't do fiction, I do nonfiction, I'm a reporter, I'm a journalist, I just go out and report. All of this negative stuff, just defeating, you know, speaking against everything she was speaking to me. And she says, 
I thought you would say that. And she pulls out her big, colorful canvas mom beach bag and starts pulling out all of these resource materials that she had had printed. And she pulls out a book that she had just gotten at Barnes and Noble. And she said, God spoke to me once again, three times. She said, God spoke to me three times and told me to go to Barnes and Noble and get these materials and give them to you. She said, I kept telling God, no. It's interesting how I had these two gals prophesy over me two different times, both telling me that they had been spoken to three times. They kept saying no, and then finally followed up. And so basically what she was handing me this book uh, was by a wonderful Christian author out of Atlanta by the name of Creston Mapes. And the title of the book was Full Tilt. And it, he's a, a great fiction suspense thriller author. And this book, Full Tilt, was about a heavy metal guy and his personal uh, faith transformation was a heavy metal guy, rock and roll guy. So she gives me a copy of this book and some of these other resource materials. And what she was handing me really was the blueprint for what my future would be as an author. And she was right that, you know, although, you know, I may still do nonfiction, who knows what that future is going to be. Um, that book, Full Tilt by Creston Mapes, was the blueprint to show me uh, what Christian fiction was about. And she told me at the time when she gave it to me, she said, if you take all of your crazy real life rock and roll stories from the past, combine them with your current ministry experiences that are happening now. You mix it all up in a big pot, change all the names, throw it out there. She said, voila, you will have a Christian fiction story that will have them lined up out Barnes and Noble and down the sidewalk waiting for. And I just thought she was full of nonsense. But I took her challenge seriously because I knew her, that word again, because of our relationship. Sort of like talking to you, Lisa. When you speak, I listen and I absorb every syllable that comes out of your mouth like I'm a sponge. And it's the same with, with this gal. And I immediately started work on Superstar. Uh, I immediately reached out to Creston Mapes and shared that story with him. And he is my, my writing hero. And doggone it, six years later, Creston Mapes and I have also developed a personal relationship. And I consider Creston a, a good friend of mine now. And uh, we sort of work together on, on projects. We'll share things that we're working on. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's like, Holy cow, man, I can't believe it. Creston Mapes, you know, sending me something. So I still get a little bit of a, go a little bit fanboy there. But uh, 
I spent six years uh, crafting the superstar story because fiction is so different, even though for a, a fictional story, there's probably nothing in Superstar that I did not experience personally at some point, either in my uh, my rock and roll past or in my current ministry experiences. So it's uh, an, uh, almost a complete nonfiction fictional story. Uh, but uh, yeah, that fiction is a different animal from nonfiction and, and crafting those characters and building those worlds and developing that narrative. And it was something that couldn't be rushed for the woman in my class to have given me a message that big. I had to take it seriously. And sometimes things aren't on our time. We live in a fast food society, you know, even even a guy my age, you know, I've grown up with microwaves and, and fast food and now with social media and we want everything now. And one of my dear mentors over the years told me once my one of my writing mentors told me, he said, it's better to get things right than to get things fast. So I just, once again, tried to get out of the way with the development of Superstar and let God speak to me as he needed to speak to me. And there were experiences when I began writing Superstar that needed to be woven into the narrative that I hadn't experienced yet. So there were periods of a year or two where I would hit a writer's block and couldn't write a word. And that manuscript just sat dormant. And I thought, you, you know, you get that voice, you know, you're blowing it, you know, you're dropping the ball, you know, God's very disappointed in you over the, you start hearing that sort of stuff. But I just embraced that maybe I, I needed to live some more experiences to complete the story. And uh, something else about relationships. I think you might find this, I hope you'll find this interesting. I had hit about a two year stretch of writer's block with Superstar. And this is now, I started writing it in 2013, 2018, still in development, and I was doing a meet and greet for one of my other books. And a guy came through my line who I recognized from South Florida. He had been a, a longtime supporter of my work and he and his wife had come up from South Florida to uh, several of my other meet and greet situations. And he was a, a, a huge believer. He was a strong, Jesus guy. So there again, because of our relationship, I did not take his words as critical. And he came through my line and he said, dude, what's going on with Superstar? I go, well, you know, it's in development. And he goes, BS, man. He says, that thing's been in development. He goes, I've 
been going to your website for five freaking years and it keeps saying in development, in development. He goes, focus, get busy and finish superstar. Wow, that was direct. And I believe that message, as great a man as I know he is, I believe that he was given that word from somewhere. And I didn't take that as a criticism. I took that as a challenge. I took that as a word of encouragement. And that was February of 2013. I hadn't written a word of that book in two years. And within a couple of weeks, it was done. I took his challenge. I embraced the encouragement. I knuckled down and it was just like, it's a cliche, but it was like a hot knife through butter. And I just burned through it. Next thing I knew, it was done. Next thing I knew, I was pitching it to agents, pitching it to publishers. Next thing I knew, boom, I had a publishing deal. Next thing I knew, I had a signed contract. It was on Amazon. Pre-orders were being taken. And uh, April 2019, the book was released. And it was just a, a crazy story. But here again, you know, it's my name on the cover, but I'm just one of the guys, you know, I'm just a cast member in this story. Uh, my co-author, uh, Brian Dumas, another great man of faith. He and I grew up together. We went to satellite high school together. We did stupid stuff together, okay? Um, we did things at Fog Hat concerts back in the 80s that I cannot tell you about here. But oddly, we our lives both came full circle and they were the same circles. And at the same time in life, we found ourselves in positions in, in ministry. And uh, so because of that relationship that Brian and I have, I knew that he would be the guy to partner with on Superstar. And, and he was. Uh, that story, I can't imagine the story coming to fruition without God having put Brian in that role. Uh, my buddy from South Florida who came to the meet and greet, the gal at the my, my college class who offered all these people, all these relationships, you know, uh, it, it, it all were was uh, all different pieces in, in this puzzle leading to the, the, the completion and, and the release of Superstar. And that's that's one of the things that God will use the things that you've gone through and he'll use it as a testimony, but he'll also use those experience to minister to other people. What I really loved about your book, Christopher, is that you you just like get right into it. So uh, the minute that you open it, you're like, whoa, ho, hold on a second here. Like you're not even ready for what you're going to start to read because it just pulls you right in and you're like, isn't this the end of the book? This is how a book ends. <laughs> but you you bring the reader in and then bring them back. So you have already shown like this is where we're going to start. 
But this isn't where it finishes. This is where it begins. That's where the transformation and going back because you have all these really great um, scenarios and 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 very typical rock and roll or in this in this particular case uh, country music, you know. But it still is the same. It's still the same. It's still the it's women. Always, it's still the know. drugs. It's still the stuff. And so taking all of those those things and be able to to be able to minister to someone who maybe is a, a budding musician but and they're like teetering like on the verge of is this really what I want to do and to see what it's going to entail because there's a price to pay there's a big price sure. to pay unless it's something that God is orchestrating and and that's where my character and superstar finds himself uh, Trent Davis, uh, gorgeous, chiseled, hunky country and Western guy from the Midwest. Uh, he's the biggest country music sensation in the world. And he finds himself a guy who was raised in church as a kid, pushed away by religion, pursuing his own dreams later on. And, uh, getting a lot of success very fast very young and making a lot of bad choices and the the cool thing to me about superstar is although trent davis is a modern day country hunk you know uh the story is the same he could have been a rap guy he could have been a rock guy. He could have been a heavy metal guy. He could have been a basketball player. He could have been a movie star. The story, that fame story, that taste that you get, that that lust for 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 money, for fame, for the for the sex, the drugs, the, for power. that whatever whatever that is, that applies to all aspects of the the entertainment world and beyond so i would absolutely agree with you lisa i think for anybody with aspirations uh in 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 in, in various areas of the entertainment industry uh don't think that you're going to be walking into a safe zone when you walk into that world uh you know it's it's open season there's there's no safe zone anywhere so you really got to put if you are a believer going into it you've really got to put on your full armor huh. if i may speak mm -hmm. christianese to you for a moment you've got to put on your full armor of god and if you go in either as a non-believer or as an unprepared believer you're probably going to find yourself in the same situations as my character, Trent Davis. Yes. And okay. So I want to talk about some of the things that there, I love the fact that you did, you brought up religion in that typical, um, that typical bashing way, you know, and, and that's really what it is, is, and I'm, it's not that I don't, I love the church. I do, but there, there is a way that we can minister that is going to be relational and is going to be loving and compassionate and is going to be 
welcoming because if you look at like where you were, you know, God, Jesus didn't turn a blind eye. He saw what you were doing and he came in like a rushing flood to help you and to stop what, what you were going to do. And so when we look at how church has, has brought such a, um, such a, a judgment against those who don't know because they just don't know. They've been, they, they have felt like they've come to God. And that's one of the things that I really feel. And I have such a heart for people who are gifted in, in the prophetic because they go to their church, they go to their pastor, they go to their priest and they say, listen, God is talking to me or I know things and they're already, and they're told that's not God. That's not God. Mm. And so one right. of the things that, that you brought up in the book, and I don't want to give too much of the book away because we want people to go out and get it, but that he, that Trent was so excited about music. And, the, and so he brought it to the worship person who basically said, uh, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to do that. You know, and that's sometimes because people have, ha we've, there are, um, there's a difference in kingdom versus church. Because in sure. kingdom, everybody has a part to play and every part is important. But in church, only my part's important. And you're going to sit and you're going to listen. <laughs> is that wrong Come to say? Is that a little wrong to say? Because I'm just going to no, say. No, that's, that's, that's actually, that would be a whole different show that I would love to dive in on. Um, well, we can, we can definitely talk about that because that's, been, right. that's a big problem. And that's that's exactly what happened with Trent Davis. Mm -hmm. He had a great heart as a kid, and he went to his his music pastor at his church and said, "Here I am. I want to be involved." And she said, "No, you yeah. don't. You don't fit the bill." And he's like, "Well, okay. Well, I'll go find a, a world where I am welcomed." And I think a lot of people uh, are in that same situation. That was the situation that I found myself in mm -hmm. growing and, up. And that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, you're, this is a fictional book. But really, I mean, if you look at Brian, Hel uh, Brian Head Welch of the band Corn, he was put into that same situation. Here, he, they had a huge rock and roll band. He's touring. He has drugs. He has women. He has alcohol. He's doing everything. And his come to Jesus moment happened when he was in that same place. He was in sure. that. He was in 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 that uh, decision: Do I live or do I do I die? And, and that was an incredible, incredible book. Uh, mm -hmm. Brian Welch, you know, when when his uh, awakening, when his transformation took place, you know, he did a, a one eighty. He quit the band, and yep. it was that. And it was that like was that. headline news. Yeah, that that, that that was headline CNN stuff right there. But I think he had to get away from that for a while. There was experiences that he need to. It's sort of like after Damascus Road, Apostle Paul had to go for training for a while. Yeah. And then he, he came back and, and pursued his his full-time ministry. I think that was the same for Brian Welch. Not that he wasn't in the right place. I think he is definitely in the right place being in corn, 
but he needed to escape that world for a little while. And for anybody watching this uh, episode who has not read Brian Welch's first book, Save Me From Myself, holy cow, what a roller coaster. That was a real game change. Those are the, the, the two game changing books for me as a writer was, as I said, Creston Mapes fictional book, uh, Full Tilt, and then as a nonfiction writer, Brian Welch's book, Save Me From Myself, was like, holy cow, I can do this? As a Christian living writer, author, I have license to go this far and get this real with telling a story? Thanks, Brian. I, well, I appreciate well, that. So, so it was a, let's, a tremendous... But but that and that's that's the thing, Christopher, is that we we have to use our sometimes we have to show the dirty to show the clean, because if you're always Absolutely. clean, then people are like, yeah, well, you don't ever get dirty. No, no, no. I got dirt. Let me show it to you. I, I got yeah. I got a lot of dirt. Let me you know. Yeah. So sometimes we have to pull out the dirty to show how clean God can make you, because in in that beautiful transformation it was instantaneous that he like he became sober that was number one because jesus showed up when jesus shows up you become sober you become in your right mind when you show up because when jesus showed up when there was the uh the man who was cutting himself or the demoniac right so the the gadarean and so when he went to the demoniac you know, he was all confused. He had all these demons, legion, and oh, he was crazy and everything. But when Jesus showed up, he came into his right mind. Because when Jesus shows up, that's exactly what happens. So there is no confusion. There is no alcohol or drug or anything else that can stop you from getting that that revelation of who he is. And so when he and isn't got it that, crazy? Oh, isn't it crazy when Jesus decides to show up? Oh, he's it's so like at the, the weirdest times, you know, just when it's the darkest, just yep. when you know you don't stand a chance, you are yep. down and out, dude. You suck. Boom. That's the moment that Jesus shows up. But go. I'm also going to say this, that because Jesus is our best friend, he is a best friend and he shows up when we need a best friend. So there have, been, there have been times that I wasn't in a bad place. But Jesus showed up and and we and he decided, let's have a dance, you know, or that he he started to talk to me or show me something. Do you know what I mean? So we when we start a relationship, when we start this relationship and we start this uh, um, this exchange between Jesus and the Father and also the Holy Spirit, when we start to encounter them because they're all different, they're not the same. The father is not Jesus and Jesus, it, it, the Jesus is in the father and the father is in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in the father and is in Jesus. Like we get that, that they're the Trinity, that they all are all one. However, that they have different personalities. And that's one of the things that the Lord talked to me. He said that sometimes you need a husband. Sometimes you need a best friend. Sometimes you need a father. And sometimes you need a mother. He says, we can be all those things to you. So each relationship, that's why I believe that Jesus comes to those who are are um, are so down and out and at the end of their rope because he's a good best friend, because he's a really good friend. 
And, and so he comes in and he takes away that stuff and he takes away that sadness and he takes away that confusion and he takes away that pain and he just, he just takes it all. And then he leads you into a whole new way of living because there is that's a, what a, a man. Does. There's a man I admire a great deal. Uh, Dr. Larry Allison, who mm -hmm. is pastor of uh, walk on water ministry in Osage Beach, Missouri, uh, a, a prolific author. I'm a huge Larry Allison fan. His his books are uh, nonfiction, Christian living books, definitely worth checking out, Dr. Larry Allison. He said one time, I might be getting it the quote a little off, but you get the, the, the gist. The, the, the essence was, uh, only uh only god could create something so it it takes god to create something so big so simple so beautiful so wonderful yet so accessible and simple and it takes man to mess it all up and make it complicated and 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 inaccessible and you know, I say that word relationship a lot. And I had a guy one time really busting my chops about that. Oh, here we go with the weirdo Christian and relationship and all that sort of thing. But it's, it's true and people can discover that that is true very easily. God did not make this difficult. We make it difficult. Oh, yeah. And by that, I mean, find that translation that speaks to you and go to the red ink. The red ink, are the, uh, those are the words of Jesus. You have very intellectual people sit around very philosophically. I wonder what God is like. She must be this. Can I tell vast you? Can I tell you? <laughs> you know, that's, but there's no mystery. We know that it's Shim is not a sheep. We know exactly what God is like because of the red ink in this book. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you go to the New Testament, you go to that red ink. Those are the words of Jesus. We see Jesus through the red ink and through that red ink, we see him through him. We see the father. And if you find a translation that speaks to you, it's so easy. So when weirdos like me and you are talking about relationship, relationship, that's not some crazy stuff. You get into that. Eve, you will Eve, you get into a translation that speaks to you. You will even develop a relationship with Apostle Paul. You know, that dude will come alive in in the word. Uh, I've spent a lot of mornings, 6, 6 a.m. at Starbucks sitting out on the patio, hanging out with Apostle Paul, doing my morning Bible study. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there, the relationship factor is not weird. It's not far-fetched. It's not complicated. We make it complicated. 
And if we just seek him in the word, it's super easy. Then it becomes like that V8 commercial when you kind of go, duh, why was I making this so difficult? He's speaking to us. He's speaking to us loud and clear. And, well, and there's also, you know, we can also hear God. We can hear him in songs. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about sure. how God can can speak to us in a song because music is so powerful. The frequency can start to shift and to change things. And sometimes there's some worship songs, you know, I could listen to Kim Walker Smith, man, and I could be in the throne room. I could be with the Lord and I could just feel my heart because a word when you worship, when you completely worship and surrender yourself, your your whole body engages in it, and your heart sure. becomes one with the Father because you know worship is so important to the Father. That's why uh, let's let's talk about it because Lucifer was created; he was created to be the worshiper. He was the head worshiper in heaven. But when he saw the the accolades were coming to God, he said, "Well, wait a second. The music's coming from me. I should be the one." So, you know, so when we look at like your book, Superstar, and we look at what is happening, the, the price is that the enemy always wants to have the accolades. And so what does he do? He steals what the Lord wants the most. He wants the children. He's always sure. after the children. And so he'll take, and you could be in your eighties and still be God's child, but I'm just saying that that that's why that business is so notorious for people getting lost and absorbed and unfortunately dying. And we were even having a conversation about, you know, different, different, um, incredible, incredible musicians who it was just too much for them. I mean, you look at Michael Jackson, you look at these other, you know, um, Elvis Presley, loved Elvis Presley, you know, and these, these individuals paid a price. They paid a price, but this is the thing. They were created to be musical. So what sure. the enemy stole is something that was given inside of them. Like we, we really have to think about it, that the enemy is always coming to still kill and destroy. And so if, if God creates man to become musical, to be a worshiper, because that's really what you are, is you're worshiping. It's just, it's who you choose to worship. I hope that I'm not uh, going to be pushing any of the, the wrong buttons. Oh, no, push away. Go ahead. You're on. Not it, only do I agree with what you were <laughs> saying, I will go further as to say that he is also coming to kill, steal, and destroy within Christian music. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, he's not, he doesn't, I believe he doesn't only have his hands in secular music, which I hate that term. <laughs> uh, but it, it's something when you say that people know what you mean. So uh, I think not only does he have a hand in secular music, uh, I think that he definitely has a hand in the contemporary corporate Christian machine as well. Mm -hmm. uh, doggone it. I love Kim Walker Smith. 
I'm with mm -hmm. you all the way. Sarah Groves, mm -hmm. all day long. Mm -hmm. Such amazing Christian artists. And I think making... you can feel it, right? Absolutely. But holy cow, there is some real crap out there that's being masqueraded as, as Christian music. Come I on! Mean, it, it sounds like the same crap that I don't want to listen to on the radio. Yeah. If I don't want to listen to this synthetic, soulless garbage in the secular world, why do I want to listen to and consume the same secular, soulless, digital garbage just because it's peddled as Christian music? You know, crap is crap. Uninspired fake artists are uninspired fake artists regardless of the genre at the same time i think that while you certainly can easily find jesus in so much i found I, I i found i found jesus i can find jesus in songs like today um the lord started i started to hear a song and i was like trying to remember and i could see the guy and i knew it wasn't i was like who is it who is it it was perry como it was perry como mr relaxation perry como and i saw him and i saw him and i heard the song i heard the song about a time to um uh, uh, do you remember a time in September? I kept hearing it over and over. God uses songs all the time, all the time. Sure. With me. And so whatever the song is, I mean, and he's used, he's used like Katy Perry. He's used Michael Jackson. He's used the Beatles. He's used um, the guess who he's used all different types of music message in the bottle, all these different music, because it says in Zephaniah, it says that he sings over us. Now, God is not going to use music. We don't know to sing over us. He's going to use something that gets us like, I know that song. Wait, I know that. He used he used Sunshine Day from the Brady Bunch. I'm just saying. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know? That wouldn't surprise me in the least. Right? But you know, if we're walking around with these religious blinders Come on. on our faces and sticks up our butts <laughs> to where, you know, because we think that that is what our religion will yeah. allow or require uh -huh. you know we're gonna miss finding some messages in crazy places come on and and i find jesus hiding in those secular songs all the time come on you know, he gave us music you okay, know? I'm going to tell so, you something. I'm going to tell you something that the Lord talked to me. He said that that anything that he creates, because God is the creator. So, so this music was created in heaven, and then it was put down in us. Okay? And so it's given to somebody. But if somebody, now listen, if somebody doesn't have a relationship, they're going to take those words, and they're going to give it to the world. Okay, but it was created in heaven. And so one of the songs that God told me about, he started to talk about Bon Jovi's Lay Your Hands on Me. Okay. Okay, because if you think about it, it's talking about laying hands because he talks about I'm the doctor. I can cure your disease. All I need you to do is lay your hands on me. 
which in the context of John Bon Jovi might be a little sketchy. But <laughs> for, no, it's totally sketchy. However, <laughs> the, the backstage, right? backstage at a Bon Jovi concert in 1988, <laughs> I know what he was laying hands on. However, for... <laughs> Personally, for where I'm at now, I'm like you. When I hear those kinds of lyrics, mm -hmm. I think of something totally different. Exactly. And having been particularly for the number of missionary experiences that I've had, uh, I am a firm believer in, in healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Laying hands and, and healing and crazy supernatural stuff like that. Yeah. Come on. I'm I'm on oh, board. Absolutely. I've seen it. Come on, Bon Jovi. And so, and so when so when God started to show me and, and he started to talk to me about music, because you know, when you first start walking as a Christian, you know, you'll have all the you'll have all the the Karens of the Christian world coming out at you and saying, don't do this and don't do that. And you, you can't listen to that. And don't you know that the Beatles are there? And you know, one of the things that the Lord really talks to me about is like the Beatles, all you need is love. Love is all you need. Sure. Because mm -hmm. it's true. Because it talks about in the, in, in, um, in the Bible, it talks is that if you don't have love, you're just a gong, a clanging symbol. You're not like, if you don't have love, love is everything. Love is all you need. Because if we, if God, right. And it is. And it says, if God so loved the world, that's all we needed was the love. And what yeah. we're supposed to do is we're supposed to love the world that it says. And, and it says, and Jesus even says, you know, love your, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. I mean, it's everything is love, 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 love. All you need is love. But we have taken love and we've conformed it to the what the world says. We have to go back into taking the things that God says and, and doing it the way that God says it, not the way that the world says it. So even the music, we can redeem the music. We can redeem the words. You know, there's so many different songs that just that can speak to you and it can move you and can bring an emotion out of you. Well, there's something in that. Because that means it's alive. If something can affect you, there's something in that. There's some music that you can sing and, and there's nothing to it, right? Because we talked about sure. that. But there's also music that brings out a passion, brings out a feeling, brings out an emotion, can bring out a memory. You know, there are songs that I can think about from when I was a little girl that brings memories. So there's something about music that's so important and, and it's important to God. So even, even like with your book, you know, it, it, it talks about how music is something that Trent had inside of him. And it was supposed to be used for the kingdom. It was supposed to be used in the church to glorify God because he, he was tried. a worshiper and he tried. But because, because the world hasn't understood. And this is for, I really believe this is what happens is that we don't truly understand how God really wants to use things. I think that that we take the things that God sends us, these ideas for movies and ideas for books, and, and we take them and we, we distort them and we put them into our own image or in our own understanding, and then we release it because it's out there. When, when something is done, it's done in the spirit 
first and then we catch it and it's just and then we have the choice of what we're going to do with it and if we're never asking god for what to do with it then we're going to go off and we're going to as you said we're going to dumb it down or 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 mess it up so he but but this but see what i love in in this book is this book is not only about that the that this man who was created to to make music and had to go through all of these things but does he give up music in the end or does he is he just redeemed does he stop singing no of course not because he was we'll created see. he was created to be a singer he was created right. to make music it's something it's just like if you're a writer you're created to write you can, there's nothing that that can change nothing will come into your life that's going to stop you from writing just like somebody who's created to worship nothing is going to come into their life that's ever going to stop them from singing right but the enemy will try but the enemy will try enemy will try yes he will so i i really love how it it twists and it turns and and there's there's so many things about it and i and i love cuz as i'm reading some of it i'm like whoa okay because <laughs> but but it's truth it's truth and the truth shall set you free right it's authentic it's it authentic. is it it is if nothing else it is an authentic uh story from both sides from the the faith side and from the uh the, the music side if you want to know what it's like behind the scenes with your favorite superstar country rock and roll or whatever if you want to know what their lives are like if you want to know what that world is like what's going on backstage what happens on the tour bus how does that superstar is the real deal and it those aren't things that i gleaned off the internet i've lived it everything in that book i've lived and seen and it is uh it's authentic it's a real deal and that's and that is why it's so good that's why it's Thank so you. good and that's why it's going to touch and it's going to change and it's going to transform and i think it's a great book if you know somebody who doesn't really know god it's a great way to introduce them to god because what it does is it pulls you in into a story and it pulls you in and then it says hey let's just change this up a little bit shall we <laughs> that, it's, it's christian fiction Christian fiction for people who might not otherwise read Christian fiction. Well, you know, as a believer, as a believer uh, who's in the entertainment industry, and I write for various different magazines, reviewing concerts, records, movies, and so on. And as a believer, I got to choke down a lot of crap content <laughs> for art's sake. And I go, okay, I can't let you know my my faith situation uh affect my ability to appreciate the art that they are creating so if i've got to make those concessions all the time for garbage content then i certainly don't think that it's unrealistic to create christian content that speaks to the world where the world might say well you know i wouldn't typically read a christian fiction book but this is this is smart this is real it's authentic um 
And uh, I, this, this is a story that I can get on board with. Absolutely. I think that absolutely can and should work both ways. Absolutely. Okay. So let, let, let's just, let's just, I want to, I want to do a couple of things, which I usually don't do, but I just kind of feel this way. All right. So the next book that you're already working on, because you're already working on a book. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the next book that you're working on, so is this going to continue in this superstar like genre or are we going down a whole new path? There are a couple of projects going on right now. In terms of superstar, Brian and I have already mapped out a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say anything other than that, because then it would give away how superstar will end. But let's, <coughs> my goodness, uh, let's just say that the story Continue. has legs to sustain it through at least three more volumes. And we'll see what uh, opportunities come our way in terms of being able to uh, forward those stories. Uh, if you like those characters, uh, I'll say that uh, many of them will be sticking around for at least a trilogy. We'll have to see what, uh, what God presents to us. And uh, then I'm also working on a nonfiction, a new nonfiction uh, book that is more of a, a, a music uh, industry type book that's called Drum Junkie. Ooh. based on my uh, experiences over the years as uh, a drummer playing drums in bands and spending time with world famous drummers and taking some of those experiences and uh, using that to uh, offer people encouragement, uh, personal encouragement and professional inspiration in terms of the music industry, but using uh, drums as the, the backdrop. Alice Cooper did a book years ago called Golf Monster. <laughs> and you would think that it was a book about golf. And there are certain golfing aspects, but it's really, he really just uses golf as the backdrop to offer greater messages. And that would be the same with Drum Junkie. So uh, Brian and I are moving along uh, with both of those projects, with Superstar sequels, as well as uh, the all new Drum Junkie. So and we'll see. 2021, we're expecting to be an amazing year. I agree with that. And I also see Super And 2020 coming. ain't done yet either, baby. It still That's might true. be. It, it, there, listen, I think that God has some stuff up his sleeve. I'm just saying. It's a little cloudy right now, but uh, I'm expecting that's, clear that's skies. Not, that sun's about to shine. Let me just tell you. That's that all sun, I can say. Yeah. That sun is about to shine. But I will also say that I truly believe that Superstar is going to become a movie. I'm gonna, wow. I'm gonna decree, I'm gonna, I'm gonna declare this. I'm gonna declare this. So you I'm have going it. to receive that word. Yeah, I really do. I, because as I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be such a good movie, because it needs, well, it needs that. to show, like some of this stuff, it, it would, because you can even like combine so many different stories of people who had their come to Jesus moment, you know, and it, and that's where we're going into. Because look, just just because um, Hollywood right now is in a 
in some turmoil. And just because it, it looks as though, you know, people are like, we're, we're not going to have these kinds of things anymore. God is still in the entertainment business. He loves entertainment. He loves creation. He loves to create. He loves he loves movies and books. And he, he once showed me, I had a vision in heaven and he showed me this bookshelf. And he said, Lisa, and he was sad. He said, these are the books that are never going to be written. Wow. And I, and I said, okay, my books are not going to be on that shelf. My yeah. books are not going to yeah. be on that shelf. So, you know, Hollywood, though, has always been in turmoil, Oh yeah. you know, so this is this is nothing new. And through some of those tumultuous times, we have in recent years seen some uh, wonderful movies, some that would uh, fit the Christian film genre, some maybe the secular genre, but there are some wonderful messages, wonderful stories, wonderful films that have come out in the past that are coming out now and will continue to come out. Absolutely. You know, the, 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 the troubles, I mean, I, I read my Bible every day. This nonsense we're dealing with now is not new. Nope. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, that was a long time ago. There have been plagues and there have been famines and there have been, you know, social unrest. And these kinds of things have happened for, for years. So it's not new. Uh, Jesus is on the throne. Heck yeah. You know? and, 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 and he's running the show. And uh, I have a heart for people. I love people. It troubles my heart when I see the conflict between people. Um, it does not make me angry. It just, it's heartbreaking, but it's not new. And God has pulled us through those times before. And I believe that he will pull us through again now. There will people that will say there are people who will say, well, this is end times. This is it. Well, they've been saying that for 2000 years also. And uh, so we've been in end times since Jesus said it is finished, you know, and we will continue to be in end times until he comes back with the seven lampstands and the seven stars. And it, it you know, that will always be. So all we can do is, is uh, love each other and, and show. And, and that's not lip service. Don't tell me you love me. Show me that love. And Come by on. showing me that love that, you know, we say I love you, but then turn around and act out in anger or in jealousy or in selfishness and so on. And somebody cuts you off and you flip them a bird or something. Love is showing that kindness and compassion and grace and forgiveness and understanding. And people go, oh, well, you don't know what was done. No, I don't know what was done to you, but I do know what was done to Jesus. Now, you may not believe that he is the Messiah. That's your gig to sort out. But Jesus lived and Jesus was crucified. And when he was beaten worse than anybody has ever been beaten, 
and then murdered during that process, he was not filled with anger. He was not lashing out. He cried out to God for forgiveness for the people who were beating him and killing him. So, no, I don't know the plight of other people. Nobody knows my plight. We don't know what any of us have gone through unless we've walked in each other's shoes, which none of us have. So we should probably just stop everybody, stop judging each other, and just embrace grace and kindness and forgiveness. And we have that blueprint of forgiveness to follow because Jesus gave us that blueprint in the red ink. So I, I may not know what other people have been through, but I know what Jesus went through. And if he was able to offer kindness, love, and forgiveness, well, doggone it, it's, it's, it's not only my duty and responsibility, I consider it a privilege and an honor to be able to respond in tense situations in, in the way that, that uh, Jesus would. You know, it became sort of a cliche with the bracelets and the bumper stickers years ago. What would Jesus do? But doggone it, that's not something to be mocked. That's something to be in, embraced and cherished. And I get it wrong a lot. But I try so hard in, in so many aspects in life, you know, how would Jesus respond to this? You know, if somebody cut Jesus off in the parking lot of Starbucks, you know, he would get out of his car, race that person to the door, hold the door open for him, and then pay for their coffee on top of that, you know, and, yeah. and that's that's love that's the kind of example that jesus set set for us and that's the example that as believers who are called to love others that's that's the example we need to follow and set and show don't tell me show me come on that you you can preach on that pastor christopher I might I might I'm get just, started here I'm soon. just saying I uh, you, you got you got a little preacher going on in there yeah. You do. Well, you definitely have, you carry a preacher's heart. You have a pastor's heart. You definitely do. So as much as you're an evangelist, you're more of a pastor because you love to take care of the sheep. You smell like sheep, which is a good thing. <laughs> That's a really good thing. But, um, and I, I do want to say when you were talking about that, you really believe it's the, the best of times are coming, right? I started, sure. I started to hear the stick songs, the stick song. The best of, I did. I'm I started. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Well, you know. I, do, I do that to you. <laughs> no, but that's but it's a good thing because it is I the know. best of times. And that's that's the whole thing. The best is yet to come because there is a bride that is waiting for her groom. Yeah. And so now it's time to get the bride ready. It's time to clean her up. What does a bride do before a bride is ready to meet her groom? She makes sure that her hair is done. She makes sure that her nails are cut and polished and pretty. She makes sure that she has a pedicure. She makes sure that her dress is beautiful and that she has all the, the, the garments that she needs. She has the right fitting shoes. She has her hair done. Every, she's washed. She's perfumed. She has makeup on. She is absolutely perfect so we're just starting to get the bride ready so we got a lot to do exactly and that's 
that's how we know that we are not at end, end, end times because the bride is not oh, ready yet. No, she's a hot we, mess right now. She. We, let me tell you something. We still got some eyeliner and we she, still got some lipstick. You know? Eyeliner? Are you kidding me? We got to go take her and hose her down first. Sure. She's a hot sure. mess right now. She's sure. a hot mess, but and that's, she is going to be. That's busy. a big indicator in, oh, in where yeah. we're at. Oh heck yeah! But you know what? I I had um, I'm actually writing a blog right now, and it's called "Here Comes the Bride" because I I saw this uh, beautiful open vision, and I heard the Lord say, "Here comes the bride." I heard the song, "Here comes bride," you know, and then all of a sudden I went into this open vision. I was in this church, and I saw all the people stand up because I heard that. You know, dun dun. You know that that the sure, yeah. right. So, and all of a sudden, everybody turned, including the groom, and the groom was Jesus. And I saw him; and he was beautiful, and he was smiling as he was looking at his bride. And as the bride walked in, guess who she was? Guess whose arm she was on? She was on the father's arm. The father was walking the bride down the aisle to his son the father was giving away the bride and everybody was gasping and looking at the bride it's so beautiful she's so beautiful and i saw jesus and i saw him look at her and i saw him wink and smile at her i'm so glad you're my friend <laughs> you don't get you don't get this kind of stuff just from you know everybody in line at walmart you know you have a, a special wonderful gift and uh what you do what you offer us is uh so wonderful and uh uh I just, I, I appreciate you uh, doing everything you do. And I get the little notifications on my phone when you go live and like, yay, I got to go, go see what, what Lisa has to share for me today. Cause it's always a pearl, you Aww, know, you're so you never sweet. come up with less than a pearl. And uh, I really, I really appreciate you. And I, I value our friendship very much. Lisa. I do too. I do too. And I, I just want to encourage you guys. If you know somebody who doesn't know God, or if you are watching for the first time and you're like, there's something about this that's making me excited. I just really want to encourage you. And I, I don't normally do this on, on touch by prayer, but I really feel that there might be some people who are listening and they're, they're saying there has to be something to this because I'm seeing Christopher and I'm seeing how his life changed and how he gets really excited when he talks about God. And, and I'm seeing this lady and she, she seems like really excited about, what, <laughs> about, about things of God. And it, and it truly is it, the, I can I can go on for days and days and days and tell you how good God is. I can proclaim and I can I can shout and I can sing. Well, I won't sing. I won't do that to you. But I'm just saying that that there is there is such a truth in everything that we're saying and it's it's not you're not too far from God to reach in and to touch you. I mean, Christopher was in this place where he really believed, like he thought this was it. And there have been so many people who have come to the end where they just don't think that that God would ever, you know, it says amazing grace, right? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, 
but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because when you start to see, when you can start to see God's goodness, when you can start to see his heart and his love and his passion, he created us. He created each and every person, each and every person right now that is here alive on this earth was had the father's touch. Because it says that I formed you in your mother's womb. Every single person that you are not here by accident, but you are here on purpose and that there is a purpose for each and every person. Even if you think that you have gone too far down, that God can't use you, that uh, it's impossible. No, no, no. He is the God of the possible. He is the God who takes the M and puts a him in front of it and calls it him possible because with him, all things are possible. That is who he is. He is a God who redeems. He is a God who restores. He is a God who can resurrect. He can resurrect your broken dreams. He can resurrect your broken life. He can take the things that you think can never possibly be good and turn them into good. And nobody can fall. Mm -mm. Nobody can fall beyond his grasp. Come on. Come on. So many people... In, in in my experiences with 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 ministry and because I'm involved in ministry and also involved in the nightclub industry that's so right. the, you're ministering those, that's that's two totally different worlds colliding together and because of that beautiful collision people will say to me all the time well there there's no hope for me you don't know what I've done I'm I I I'm beyond redemption and those are the words that probably break my heart more than anything that I can hear if there is hope and redemption for a scumbag like me and holy cow if you had known me and it wasn't that long ago what a despicable pig I was if there was hope for me, if there is hope for a scumbag like Trent Davis in the book Superstar, if there's hope for guys like us, there's hope for everybody. Nobody can fall beyond the grasp of Christ. People will say to me, oh, well, I can't go to church. If I walked in the door, the place would burst into flames. Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> in bigger, you know, if, if you're going to play that game, who's the worst sinner, you know, they're, they're, that's a long line. So just let that go and just, you know, come to Jesus. You know, you can't, if you, <clears throat> it's like Peter, when he stepped out to walk on water, and as he started to have his doubt and sort of panic and he sunk into the water, all he had to do was reach up a little bit and Jesus was right there to reach the rest of the way and pull him up from, from the, and, and that's just a great example for all of us, you know, cause Peter was a great guy too. You know, he messed up a lot. Uh, like we all, he was passionate. What's that? He was passionate. Absolutely. He was you know, passionate. But he, he, he said some crazy stuff. He did. And uh, Jesus Jesus had to check him a couple of times. He did. You know, so if, if Peter 
is one of Jesus' chosen disciples. And Jesus even had to call Peter out a couple of times. And, you know, there's three books in the New Testament written by Peter. So then, you know, there's hope for all of us. Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was known as the man who not only persecuted Christians, he murdered Christians. The name Saul instilled fear, rightfully so, in the hearts of believers. And then following his transformation, when he became Paul, there was a, a, a complete turnaround. So for a guy like Paul to go from murdering people say well if i walked in it would burst into flame really have you been out murdering christians i didn't think so paul did and there was grace and redemption for paul so it's it's sufficient for all of us man and it's a free gift and it's so easy and it's a nice gig huh (laughs) it's a nice gig god gives us a good gig He really does. When you know that you're his, you belong to him, you know that you're protected, you know that you're loved. It's a it's a good gig. It's a peace is a beautiful thing, man. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. So I'm just gonna say this. When I come to Florida, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to the nightclub that you're at. And guess what? After the nightclubs close, we'll pray over some people. Excellent. Doesn't that sound like fun? And the club I work at also has the best chicken wings in the tri-state area. So come on down. We'll have a Red Bull and we'll have a plate of wings and we'll pray over people. Yep. And it'll be, uh, yeah. That's it. Because I'm telling you, I I know, I know that there, there are, um, it, it's really what God is going to start doing and how he's going to start doing it. Uh, it's going to be in the nightclubs. It's going to be in bars. It's going to be in places because that's where the people are. That's what people come to me all the time. But I'm uh, in the DJ business mm-hmm. and people in the last 10 years seek me out in the DJ booth frequently for mm-hmm. different reasons than they used to seek me out in the <laughs> DJ booth before. Uh-huh. It's It's a whole different world now. And it's easy for people to look at others in bars and in nightclubs to go filthy drunks, drunken loser. No, they're not. They're not drunken losers. No, they're not filthy drunks. They are some of my best friends in the world. And often, often they are simply hurt, broken, lonely people who are seeking something and doggone it. I am so grateful, so honored, so humbled to get to be that guy. Now, you know, frequently, if you're at a bar at closing time, when the last call lights go on at 2 AM, chances are you may have made some mistakes during the course of the night. And at 2 AM, you need a friend. You know, mm. you need somebody who's got your back. And I keep my Bible with me in the DJ booths. You know, you come to me at any time in the club. I'm I'm ready to to drop scripture come and on. I'm ready to lay hands and I'm I'm ready to pray for you. Come on. And Have a Holy uh, Ghost party. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just honored to get to be there 
for people. And, you know, some would, would judge those folks. Well, they're in a bar. Well, what, what better place for me to be? I had a family member after my, uh, my, my first faith book came out, my family member said, well, are you still working in that bar? Well, yeah, yeah. heck yeah, I am. I hope I will for some time to come. What, what better place to be, you know, well, people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. That's right. You know, and I'm not judging people, you know, saying they're sick people, but they're definitely folks uh, who, by their own admission, are often in need. And uh, I'm blessed and, and humbled to help them now. You are so awesome, Christopher. You really are. You are so awesome. This has been, I really have enjoyed our time together and I'd love to have you come back on Touch by Prayer. Likewise. It's my this pleasure. Is- Thank you for everything you do. Your your work, what you're doing in, in uh, furthering the kingdom is uh, is just spectacular. Bravo. Well, th- uh, listen, he's a very, very good daddy and he's very, very persuasive. And just like yeah. your cousin and your friend, I'm a three-time girl too. He has, yeah. <laughs> he has to tell me three times before I, I finally do stuff. And and he does. And it's usually on that third time. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Because, you know. Yeah, sometimes it's fourth or fifth for me. But Nope, only three. Know. I'm only three. Because um, at the third time, I know that that it's true. You know, the first yeah. time I'll yeah. be like, mm, and then the second time, like, hmm. And then the third, I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> well, for me, I'm just hard of hearing. You know, oh. so I, sometimes I don't even hear the first three times. Well, I, I think you're awesome. And I just, um, I just want to, I just want to pray and just say, you know, that God is just going to use you and that I, I can just, um, I see how God is starting to, um, how he's even starting to shift and open doors and how you're going to have even more favor, favor that you thought that you had in your previous life, that God is about to give you even more favor in this next season that you're walking into. And you're actually going to help people who are coming um, who are coming out of the world and into the kingdom, that you're going to be that person who's going to be a transition person, who's going to help to um, to guide them and to help them and to you know, put your arm around them because you're a good friend, because you're a very good friend. And I really see that God has just assembled some people, but I see some young men who are going to come around you because I see that there's a fathering part of you that you're still trying to kind of navigate how to do it. You want to be like a big brother and stuff, but God's really, he's kind of shifting your heart and changing you into that father figure where you're starting to be like okay with it because you you kind of fought a little bit but God's really going to start to um to bring some younger individuals around you and and you're going to help to mentor them and to father them because they actually need fathering and because of uh, some of the brokenness that you've gone through and how you've overcome it, that you're going to be able to help to uh, quickly get over those humps with them very, very quickly. So I, I just, um, I just release that blessing over you, and I just release, uh, I just, um, I just release joy because you are, you really do, you really do carry joy, and I just release an increase of joy and just a, and even an increase of, um, of uh, the prophetic because that's still kind of like. It's kind of there. You're kind of on the cusp, but I really believe that God is going to start to open up that more prophetic that you're going to actually have words for people and they're going to be like, dude, how did you know that? <laughs> that's that's going to be coming more and more. So I like really, I say to you, uh-huh. I'm that guy saying that to you when you're oh. offering me those words. 
How do you know that? But that's what's that's where God's going to be leading you. So I just bless you. I bless your books and I bless all your your future endeavors and your collaborations. And I just know that God is going to do mighty, mighty things with you. Let's make a movie. I, I Hey, let me tell you something. Don't be joking. because I'm not joking. OK, let's do I'm it. I'm dead serious. Heck yeah. I'm all about it. I am all about doing it because I was created. I was created to be in movies. I'm very theatrical. Uh, Have you not seen that? <laughs> you could be, you could play Trent's mom. Okay. I would you do that. You could be Sarah Davis. I would love that. Let's do it. I, I will recommend to the casting director <laughs> that you are cast in the role as Sarah Davis. Well, okay. Perfect. I think that would be fun. Heck yeah. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> I'll see you on Hollywood Boulevard on Thursday. All right. I Let me tell you something. God has called me to Hollywood. I've been praying for Hollywood and I know that Hollywood is, is, uh, is definitely a place I'm supposed to go. So let's do it. Let's do it. Sounds like fun. All right. So let's just, let's just get a couple things going for, for people who would like to contact you. I've been scrolling up your, um, it's Christopher Long showbizguru.blogspot.com. Is that the proper website? Yeah, most anything about me that uh, I need to be sharing, you'll find on that site. All my okay. socials and email and articles and stories and all sorts of stuff. Okay, and if you guys go to his website, because I, I, you know me, I always go and peruse. So he actually has like a list of different authors. He has a God spot where he puts some music. So if you're looking to find some good Christian music, because you know that's what Christopher does, is he he definitely helps to guide and and to um, recommend different artists. And so he has his list of, of the different artists that he likes, which I'd like to add a couple into that little mix. <laughs> There's Bring it on. Oh yeah, Heather Clark. I love Clark. finding new music. Have you ever listened to Heather Clark? That's a new name to me. Dude, you gotta listen to Heather Clark. All right, oh, yeah. I'm on it tonight. Yeah, you need to listen to Heather Clark. Clark. She's iTunes to the rescue. Yeah. So, uh, shadow, uh, shadow of his wing. It's under, it's, uh, the Psalms 91. Oh, it's so good. But, but there's uh and there's so many others, but, uh, and of course, upper room, you got to listen to upper room. I don't know if you are listening to them, but go and find yes, upper room. I have, okay. I'm familiar with upper yeah. room. Um, and, uh, who else have I been listening to? I've been really in upper room right now. That's really kind of, they have this one, um, they have this one, uh, a CD called Colors, which has some actually some instrumental, which is just tones and frequencies. So, and and that that might be uh, something else I need to hook you up with because I have some uh, friends who do uh, tones and frequencies because that's really going to be important, especially for healing. Um, but anyway, so if you guys are interested in going to Christopher's uh, website, you can find out all his information. You can also get his books on Amazon, Superstar and his other books, the, um, and his other book, his poison book, uh, which is called, what was the name of it? A Shot of Poison. A Shot of Poison is going, it's, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary. Okay. But, holy cow. Holy cow. But wait, there's more. <laughs> There's more because in this 10th anniversary edition, it has been revised, it has been reconstructed, and it has been revamped, right? It is a, a full uh, a full 10th anniversary expanded revised reboot. Yes. 
It, and it sparkles. And it sparkles and shines. It's a sparkling reboot. It's a, the new 10th anniversary edition, and uh, it uh, comes out in two weeks. In two weeks. So if you guys, if you have people who are Poison fans, that might, you can get both books. You can get Superstar and Poison so that they can see where they were, and then you can give them a book and show them where they've come, where they can be. How about that? Because I- it's an all new cover. So uh, there, there's definitely a big difference between the first edition and the new edition. I highly recommend seeking the anniversary edition. Yes, the anniversary edition has uh, has a new chapter in it, too. Right. It's, it's a new a new closing. The the new the anniversary edition of A Shot of Poison has offered me a beautiful opportunity to weave in a testimony. Come on. Because when I wrote it originally 10 years ago, I was a nasty, filthy, dirty pig. And it reads that way. And through the sparkling new reboot as a, 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 tr a transformed guy, I'm, uh, I've had the, the opportunity to weave uh, a testimony into that, which yeah. I believe changes up the narrative completely. So anybody that uh, is is whose interest is peaked on the shot of poison story, definitely seek out the tenth anniversary edition of the awesome. book. Awesome. Except no substitutes. There you go. And um, also in two, weeks. in two weeks. So if you guys are wanting to get that a shot of poison anniversary issue, get your copy of Superstar, especially if you have somebody who is uh, that you would love to kind of give a little bit of Jesus to. It's a great way to inject it. I'm just telling you because they won't they won't know where it's coming. But when it comes, it's going to smack them upside the head. And it's a great way for people to kind of see the how light overcomes dark. How about that? Because it's that's Beautiful. where we are right now. That's where we are. We'll put and that then, in the in the press release. There you go. That's it. It's a victory story of light overcoming Yay. dark. Come on, because we that little light of mine, we're gonna let it shine. So, Christopher, gonna let it shine. That's it. Thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. You have been so awesome. I'm so excited about what God is going to do, and I'm so excited about all the books that are going to be coming and the movie. Just saying. And the movie. The movie is coming. I'm waiting for David A.R. White to call me. Come on. Come on. You got he's connections. The, he's my hero over at Pure Flix. So okay. uh, oh, come on, Dave. I'm waiting for the call. Come on. There you go. So if you guys are interested, you could also go to Christopher's website. You can go and drop him a line say, hey, I found you on Touch by Prayer and I loved your story. Yay. So you can definitely. And also keep him supported in prayers because as you start to uh, birth something like this, you need to have some people who can come around and pray. So, you know, just keep him in prayers and just pray for God's favor and just for uh, God's will to be done in his life. So thank you so much, Christopher. Thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. I was a privilege. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. So thank you guys for uh, for coming in and hanging out with me because it is always so much fun. This is, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you haven't already heard, I'm just going to let this uh, let you guys know that um, I am going to be doing my women's conference, my daddy's girl, which is going to be September 18th, 19th and 20th here in New Jersey. If you're interested, you could always go to my website, which is touch by prayer 
Com. You can click on Women's Conference and uh, you can go and check it out there. But thank you guys for coming in. Next week, I have John Natale. And guess what? He has some prophecies about our president. Oh, heck yeah, he does. So it is going to be a powerful, powerful show. So you don't want to miss it. So I just want to say thank you guys again for, uh, for popping on and hanging on for as long as you did. And don't forget to go out and touch someone. Good night.